I, I told you of, of an interesting news article I read some time ago. Uh, the headline said, Pastor Dies During Sermon About Heaven. It, it told the story of a, of a Presbyterian minister who died mid-sentence during his sermon about heaven. He was almost at the end of the sermon and he said, And when I go to heaven... And he grabbed the pulpit and, uh, and fell over to the floor, died instantly from a heart attack. Well, I don't expect to replicate his performance today, all right? I, 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 really, I really don't want to do that, but I do want to speak about the same subject. What's it going to be like when we get to heaven? And we get a picture of that in the last two chapters of the Bible, the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and 22. Today we're going to look at chapter 21 and talk about heaven, our forever home. We're going to look at the entire chapter, but let me read verses 1 through 5 as we get started today. John wrote and said, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. I'm waiting for y'all to say amen about this because this is pretty good stuff. There shall be no more pain. Hey, hallelujah. For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and these words are are faithful. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take these true and faithful words from your inspired word and, and allow them to speak to our heart, dear Lord, today. Help us to imagine heaven, our forever home. Dear Lord, help us to, to know without a shadow of a doubt that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. It's a real place where we can spend eternity with you. And dear Lord, I pray that all of us would uh, do some self-examination today and, and make sure that we know we are going to heaven when we die. I love you, Lord, and I commit this time to you. I do it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's about five things I want you to notice about our forever home here from Revelation chapter 21. The, the first thing is the newness of it. The newness of our forever home. Verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Sorry, sorry for you fishermen. I, I guess that does it in right there. But Here's the point I want to make. Everything about heaven is new. The word new means not just new in time, but new in kind. There has never been anything like heaven before. It is going to be brand new, and it's going to be mind-boggling. Just like there had never been a resurrection body like the one Jesus had after His resurrection, there's never been a city like the New Jerusalem. 
there's never been a place like heaven because it's all going to be new. Now, let, let me just stop right here and do a quick time out and tell you, the present heaven is great. Okay, The present heaven is great. If you or I die before God brings about the new heavens and the new earth, what we go to is going to be a glorious place. The present has, heaven is awesome. Kathy Woodham went there Thursday night. It is a great place. It is a beautiful, glorious, joyous, peaceful place in God's presence. But the new heaven and the new earth that God is going to bring about is beyond our imagination. The unstoppable purpose of God for creation and His purpose for His people will not be completed until all things are made new. Okay. God is about making new things. In the beginning, Genesis 1.1, He spoke the Word and the worlds came into order. He made something out of nothing brand new. He makes new babies. Right? And He can take that sinful life of yours and make it into something new. A new creation in Jesus Christ. But God's purpose in creation and His purpose for His people will not be completed until all things are made new. And that's going to happen in the new heavens and the new earth. Second Peter 3.13 says, Nevertheless, we, according to His promises, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And this is going to happen at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Here in verse 5 of Revelation 21, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. One of the silliest questions in heaven that anybody can ask is, What's new? <laughs> because everything is new. It's brand new. And get this, it will never grow old. Alright? So what do you need to know about heaven? Well, the, the newness of it. It's going to be brand new. The second thing I want you to notice is the holiness of our forever home. Verse 2, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So there's this new heaven and this new earth and coming down out of heaven is this new city. It's a holy city. It's called New Jerusalem. Now we know from the Bible that Jerusalem was God's city in the Old Testament. And it's going to figure prominently in His eternal reign in the new heavens and in the new earth. And it is this city that will be our eternal home. Not a cloud somewhere beyond the rainbow. Not a figment of your imagination. This is a real city. New Jerusalem. And the Bible says right here that it is a holy city. Say the word holy with me. Holy. It is a holy city. Now, when we think about cities today, we don't think about cities as being holy, do we? I mean, really, when's the last time you, you looked up on a map trying to find a holy city? There are no such places. Cities are places today where there are crowds and congestion and 
corruption and crime. It's, it's all around us. That's what cities are known for. Uh, back when we lived in Pine Bluff ages ago, they, they're, they're, uh, uh, I think it was the first list of its kind that, that came out, the 333 worst places to live. And everybody pointed out to me that Pine Bluff, Arkansas was on that list. It, I mean, you didn't have to tell me it was on a list. I mean, I lived there. I, I know. I, I've, I've checked out uh, newer websites there. Uh, there, there are websites, the, 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 hun, the, the, the top 100 uh, scariest places to live, the, the 100 places where there's the most crime to live, the worst places to live, the, the places with the most pollution to live, all these lists, but that they're all describing bad things. Because that's what cities are known for, right? This is a holy city. Yeah? And when the Bible talks about something that is holy, it means that that thing has been set apart for a holy God and His holy purposes. Now, understand this. Right now, the universe and the earth and the forces of nature are fighting against the purposes of God. Right? You see that. We are in constant conflict. Good and evil, holiness and unrighteousness. The devil and God are in this, this eternal battle. But can you imagine a city where the purposes of God and the will of God are done instantly and completely. Now what a great place to live. A city that is in cohesive alignment with the will of God. It just dawned on me. You know what, you know what we're talking about here? A perfect place. A place where the will of God is done without question. That's what a perfect place is. And that is exactly what heaven is. This heavenly city is like, verse 2 says, a bride beautifully dressed or adorned for her husband. Now what a unique way to describe this city. A, a bride that is adorned for her husband. Most of you have been to weddings. Let's, let me see the hands of everyone in this room who has ever been to a wedding. Would you raise your hand? If you have attended a wedding, yeah, it could have been your own. All right, I think most everybody has is raised. It's a great thing to go to a wedding. Uh, my my kids used to say the best part is the cake. You know, weddings are, are pretty unique events, though. Uh, they're they're pretty special. One one of the high points in all weddings, though, is is that point in the service where the minister. Uh, uh, directs everybody's attention to the, the back doors. And in this church, it's special because our two doors right there in the center aisle, they open up. And at that point, everybody in the audience stands to their feet. Oh, it's not a wedding. Okay, so it, they stand to their feet and they turn. What are they looking at? A beautiful bride coming down the aisle, adorned for her husband. I wonder, oh my lands, look at that. Would you look, would you look, let me just, let me just pause for a second. Isn't she beautiful? Isn't that bride beautiful? Let me tell you, y'all, y'all don't know if you, if you are to clap, but let me tell you, that I'm still paying for that. Right? It didn't. It didn't really happen that long ago. But boy, I'm, I'm, I'm getting. A, I'm getting a tear in my eye right now. Just, just think. 
you know, that was that was a great day for my, my little girl, Whitney, and, and uh, here's her daddy bringing her down the aisle. Now, I really struggled with this wedding right here. I, you know, I, for months I would, I'd be driving down the road in my truck thinking, Will, you can't do that, man. You're, there's no way you're going to be able to, to preside over that wedding and, and, and do the vows for your daughter. I'd, Steve, I'd start thinking about it, and I'd just start bawling in my truck. I mean, I'm getting old, and I'm getting real sentimental, you know. Uh, I could, I told the first service, I can, I can now cry at the drop of a dime. If it's my dime that's dropping, I, huh? Are you with me? Are you with me? And so I was really struggling with this, thinking, there's no way in the world I'm going to be able to do that. But you know, once they got up here, I did fine during the sermon. It was right there where I was having a problem. Right when those doors flung open and everybody stood up and turned around and we were working, it, boy. It started shrinking on me, Jason, and I, start, I got real hot, and, and I started, my head was dizzy, and I was thinking, I'm about to go down. I really did. I thought, I'm about to faint right here, and I was kind of looking around, seeing who, which of these good people are going to help me up after, after I faint, but there, there it is. Man, boy, I tell you what, she was, she was a pretty bride, but you know what? I've never seen an ugly bride. I mean, I'm telling you. Brides are beautiful. You, are you with me? Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Brides are absolutely beautiful. Usually in a wedding, I'm right up here, I'm, I'm, the, I'm officiating it, and that door pops open, and, and there is that. And here's what I think every single time, without exception. I've done hundreds of weddings, and this is what I think every time. Wow, she's pretty. That's what I think about the bride. She is gorgeous. It's just a good, and the, the first thing I do after I see the bride, I look over at the goofy groom. That's what I call the, the goofy, goofy groom. And most of them, most of them are just, they're gooey-eyed and they're goofy. And they're, they're in candy land, man. They don't, they have no idea where they are. They don't know what they're doing. Their heads are spinning. They're just as goofy as they can be. But here's what I'll look at. I'll look at the guy's eyes. Because when that door opens and he sees that bride for the first time in that dress, he hadn't seen her all day, he's never seen her like that before, those eyes get big, man. Because she's beautiful. And in a wedding, it's all about the entrance. The entrance of the bride. Church, I've got good news for you. This new city will make the same kind of entrance into the eternal stage of mankind. It's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a big deal. Just like a bride that is beautifully adorned for her husband, this new city from God is going to come down where people like you and I can live. Uh, Revelation chapter 21 verse 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them, and He will be their God. The reason heaven is so special, the reason heaven is holy, is because that's where God is. It's all about God. Do you get that? Heaven is all about God. Now, next week I'm going to draw this sermon series to a conclusion. And I'm going to talk about the personal relationship that you're going to have, the intimate relationship that you will have with God forever in heaven. So you don't want to miss that. But what I want you to see today is how holy heaven is because God is there. The third thing that I want you to notice is the brightness of our forever home. 
Verse 11 of chapter 21 says, talking about the city, It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Heaven is bright because of the glory of God. God's glory is the outshining of all of His wonderful attributes. And it is the most striking feature about heaven. What stands out in heaven more than anything? The brightness of heaven. Because it reflects the glory of God. And that really is what most modern books and movies miss about heaven. Heaven is depicted in such a way that God and His glory is not really at the center of the attention. But let me tell you... It's all about God. Really, heaven, heaven is not about us. We, we try to make it about us, but the most striking thing about heaven is not going to be your mansion. Now, you're going to have a mansion, but that's not the most striking feature about heaven. The most striking thing about heaven is not going to be those wonderful conversations that you're going to get to have with all kinds of people whether they be loved ones who have gone on before you or or maybe some Old Testament patriarchs or the apostles, that's not going to be the main feature of heaven. The most striking thing about heaven is not going to be the fact that all of your tears are going to be wiped away. As marvelous as that is. It's not going to be the fact that you're not going to have any more pain or arthritis or hip problems or... You know? Because really what we try to do is make heaven about us. The main thing about heaven is nothing about us. The main thing about heaven is that God is there. In all of His glory, like we've never seen it before. In heaven, we don't just get a glimpse or a peek at the glory of God. The glory of God is totally unfiltered. 100% unscreened. Full on, unedited, awe-inspiring, breathtaking. It's all God. (laughs) Man. And that's the big deal about heaven. This holy city is ablaze with the glory of God. Verse 23, The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. And then I love, Ronnie, I love the the end of that verse. It says, the Lamb is its light. Jesus is its light. Again, I, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. But what I do imagine is something that is so pure and so bright. Well, the fourth thing I want you to see about heaven is how big it is. The vastness of our forever home. Here's a West Texas term. It's huge. Okay, it's huge. Uh, we see this in, in verse 12, but, but I want to I start reading in verse 10. I don't think 10 and 11 is on the screen, but verse 12 will be. Verse 10 says, And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And she had a great and high wall with twelve gates. 
and twelve angels at the gates, the names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Now, heaven has all of these really great features, and each of these features reveal or symbolize something about the nature of God or about the nature of our redemption. And one of the symbols that we see here is the number 12. It's featured here. There are 12 gates of the city, and each one of these 12 gates are named for the 12 tribes of Israel. Verses 13 and 14. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So we've got these twelve gates around the city with the names of the tribes of Israel. The next thing that we see are these twelve foundations, and these are literal foundations. There's not just one foundation for this city. There are twelve of them, and they're not buried in the ground they're highly visible. And the foundations are each named for one of the twelve apostles representing the church. The apostles were the first believers in Jesus Christ and their teachings are the foundation of our Christian faith. The teachings of the apostles are the foundation of the church and therefore symbolically they are the foundation of this holy city. What you're seeing here is a city, a holy city, that is not only God's personal dwelling place, but also the dwelling place of the people of God. Both Old Testament and New Testament saints of the ages are in heaven. It's a big place. It's a big, big place. They ought to write a song. It's a big Big, big, big place. And all of these saints are there. God's home. It's God's house. God's big, big house. And all of us who are saints are there. Now, I haven't been able to fit this into any of my sermon, and I thought this would be a pretty good place to insert it because all of these people are there. Here's what I want you to know and what I want to add today. All the babies and all the children who have died before they realize their need for Christ to save them, they're in heaven too. Okay, You need to know that. If you've lost a baby in a miscarriage or a premature death or a tragic accident, you can look forward to seeing them in heaven. You might say, well, preacher, they, they, they never accepted Christ as their Savior. They were, they were too young. Yes, I understand that. They, they have not reached the age of accountability. But if they died before that age, they're with Jesus today. They're with the Lord today. You can rest assured of that. It is a big place. It's a huge place. You say, well, how big of a place is it? Verses 15 and 16 tell us how big it is. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gates. 
On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. So how big is heaven? Well, it's, it's 12,000 furlongs, both wide and long and high. How, how long or how big is 12,000 furlongs? Well, it's kind of debatable, but it's somewhere between 1,400 and 1,500 miles is how long 12,000 furlongs is. So this city, New Jerusalem, is about 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles Long and 1,500 miles high. Roughly what we're talking about is the, a place the, that roughly has the, the footprint size of the United States of America. That's about how big this city is. And it's spanning up into the heavens some 1,500 miles. Some say this city is shaped like a perfect cube. It's as high as it is deep as it is long. Others say that it would be shaped more like a pyramid. I don't know what shape it is and it really doesn't matter to me. What does matter is that it is ginormous. It's a big city. That means there is enough room in this city for all the saints of all the ages. Hundreds of millions of believers, perhaps even billions, who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's a big, big place. And you're going to know everybody. And not only is it big, it's beautiful. That's the last feature I'd like to share with you this morning, is, is really how lovely heaven is. Verse 18, the construction of its wall was of jasper and the city was pure gold like clear glass. I really think John is trying to use his own earthly frame of reference trying to describe to us what he saw here. Uh, Apparently both the jasper and the gold are, are different from the metals that we know today. Back in verse 11, the jasper is transparent. And here in verse number 18, Gold is described as clear glass. All the decorations of the foundations with the apostles' names inscribed on them, according to verses 19 and 20, include 12 different stones of different colors. There is a rich rich mixture of blues and greens and reds and whites and golds and yellow and violet and and purple. These stones are all blended together to to provide a a radiant array of beautiful colors. It is a kaleidoscope of beauty. Beautiful place. Verse 21. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Now get that. Each gate is a pearl. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Now some of you ladies own pearls. Pearls are prized possessions. We have pearls that have been passed down in our family from one generation to the next. I, I, know, I know how beautiful a single pearl is, but ladies, can you imagine a single pearl that is well over a hundred feet high? You're saying, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Well, each gate is a single pearl. And in verse 21, it talks about this street, this main 
I'll call it the main drag of heaven, all right? The main street in, in heaven. The word literally means a wide place. A city the size of the holy city is going to have millions of miles of street, all paved with gold. There's this huge street, all the other side streets. There's no gravel roads in heaven. They're all paved with, with this transparent gold. Gold that is so pure that it is transparent. You know what we're talking about here? Amazing beauty. Amazing beauty. Our God is a God of beauty. God created beauty. How do I know that? Well, He made my wife. I know that He creates beauty. And God is going to lavish His beauty on His holy city and His holy people. So, listen, the next time you see a spectacular sunset or a vast mountain range or a wave from the ocean come crashing against the beach, when you see something like that, it's just a little sneak preview of the beauty of heaven. And all along, God is whispering to you, heaven, just try to imagine. You can't, but try. Heaven is coming. Heaven is coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? I read that of the people who believed in heaven, roughly three-fourths of them feel that they have a better than average chance of getting there. Okay? Listen, of the people who say they believe in heaven, three-fourths of them feel that they have a better than average chance of getting there. Well, the, the, the important word in that statement is chance. Church, can I tell you, you, you don't want to leave this to chance. It's something you don't want to leave to, to chance. It's not about the odds. The fact is, today, you can know for sure if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's not about chance. Well, I hope I make it. It's not about that at all. You can know. You can know you're going to heaven. Today you can know that you're saved. You can know without a shadow of a doubt that if you die this afternoon, you're going to go to heaven. You can know that. How do you, how do you know? Well, you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You trust Christ alone for salvation. And you can know that. Now, if you ask me today, Will, are you sure, are you absolutely sure you're married? Ask me that. Absolutely, I'm sure. I'm, I can tell you I am 100% sure that I'm married. I don't have to say that I have a better than average chance of being married. I know that I'm married. How do I know that? Because on May the 14th, 1980. Three, at the First Free Will Baptist Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I was standing on the stage with a preacher named Joe Grizzle and the doors, the back doors of that church opened up and there she was. Oh, oh I was a goofy, googly-eyed boy, that's for sure. But I remember it like it was yesterday. My old, my old heart was just a-pounding. I said, Will, how could you ever get so lucky, man? 
What a glory. I know I'm married. I have a certificate that says I am. We still have wedding photos that prove that we are. I stood on that stage that night face to face with Angie Archer and we committed our lives to each other. I'm married. You know what? I have the same confidence that I'm saved. I know that I'm married and I know that I'm saved. How do I know that? 47 years ago at the Westside Free Will Baptist Church in Midland, Texas. I've told you this story a hundred times. It was on a Sunday night. My preacher, Brother Zellers, had been preaching an hour and 15 minutes on hell. And I'm telling you, it was hot in that room. He lifted the lid on hell and the flames came out. It scared it right out of me, I'm telling you. Came to the altar crying. He, he, he came around and he put his arm on me and he said, William, can I pray with you about something? I said, yes, sir. Brother Zellers, I don't want to go to hell when I die. He said, you don't have to, son. He shared with me the Romans road of salvation. And he led me to faith in Jesus Christ. And that night changed my life forever. My name was written in the Lamb's book of life. You can clap. It's a great thing. I'm clapping. It was great. It changed, it changed my future. And let me tell you, it changed my eternity. Because I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. Do you? Do you? Heaven's a great place. It's awesome. It's a perfect place. And only perfect people can get there. You can be made perfect in Jesus Christ. He'll make you perfect. Do you believe? Heavenly Father, I pray that all of us would look deep inside our own life. Lord, can, can we go back to a time where we confessed You as Lord and Savior of our life? Do, do each one of us in this room today know for sure that we're going to heaven? Lord, if there's someone without that assurance, if there's somebody in this room today that doesn't know for sure, I, I pray that during this altar of prayer, they would make things right with You. They would confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in their heart that God has raised Him from the dead, that they would be saved. Lord, if there's a Christian who's away from You, may they come home today. And Lord, for the rest of us who just uh, have hurts and heartaches and problems and need Your help, May we feel the freedom to come and ask you for that help today. Lord, I love you and I commit this time to you. Speak to our hearts as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. The band's going to play.